0: Hello and welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. Our mission, to make government contracting better, one contract at a time. Whether you work for government or industry, we're here to help you understand how the other side thinks. Today's episode is a special encore episode for the Thanksgiving holiday. The topic is the 80-20 rule, which Kevin talks about all the time. What we're really talking about is the difference between the way the commercial world buys things, the way you buy things yourself, and the way the government buys things. This is actually the second episode that we ever recorded and published, so it's a little rough. It's good to know that we've somehow gotten a little better at this over the course of a year, and I don't know why I'm only coming out of one ear, but let's get started anyway. Okay, Kevin, let's talk about the difference between how the government buys and how you buy.
1: Okay. In simple terms, the government buys in some of the same ways we do, but the big difference is they're required to compete lots of things. They're required to set aside certain amounts of contracts for companies such as small businesses. They're required to recompete contracts they've already awarded. And if you think how different this is to how we buy services, when I buy a car, or I buy a, a customer relationship management software, or I, buy a, I hire an accounting firm for my, for my company, all of those things, there's no strict set of rules. I can go down and talk to my friend who happens to own the dealership and just buy the car on the spot without checking any prices or any other relationships, or I can go hire a, a CRM system based on how cool their website is. It's that simple.
0: So you don't have to buy your car from a small business dealer this time just because, because you bought from the largest dealer in the city last time
1: good question because i actually don't have to like a contracting officer has to go out and determine can a small business even do this can a certain group of companies who may not even be in my local area do this work and how different is that than what you and i do when we buy everything from our computer to we don't compare apple's requirement i happen to have a mac right so you compare what i needed and i decided you know what i like mac software better technically speaking it does a lot of the same things as a pc but I just happen to like it better. And you don't shop on price with a Mac because they set their prices. It's a very different.
0: So the end goal is ultimately the same, but how you get to the end goal might have to be different if you're a government contracting officer?
1: Correct. The, the end goal is to acquire goods and services at a combination of the best price, best service, and the best solution, as it may be, which is the technical solution. So depending on what you're buying, it could be the process is going to be different. But the reality is whether or not you have to compete it, yes, is more more often than not the answer. And then if you don't, there's a specific set of rules you have to go through. So the end goal is to get a great product or service and to support your user. So if you're a buyer for a large company who's not a government contractor, your process to buy software is going to be very different. Things like, here's one, as a contracting officer, you're only allowed to take, last time I checked, it's a $25 value gift from a company who may actually sell you something at some point in the future, right? Well, compare that to the commercial market where wining and dining, and maybe I'm oversimplifying, but spending time networking with, with potential customers, it's a completely different environment. There are no rules, there's no, no, there are few rules, there are a lot fewer rules about how that relationship works. So the reality is the end game is the same, is you want to get a, a great product and great service, but to get there, It's a different process. It's a different mindset. You have things like the competition and contracting act that says you have to compete everything unless for a certain set of circumstances, which you then have to document.
0: So you're talking about non-government contracting companies, of course, right? If, if I work for a government contractor, I'm also not allowed to accept large gifts in order to, uh, to influence the procurement process from my subcontractors or vendors, correct?
1: That's correct. And that, that's another difference, is that even as a subcontractor in the government market, the rules are going to expand and flow down to you. Like the, the, the term flow down clause, that's kind of a lot of things we're talking about here. What I'm referring to is the almost hyper, hyperbole of the two ends of the spectrum is you have a completely commercial company and a completely government contractor. Your worlds are different. And... You can step in both worlds, but understand that the rules in each world is very, very different.
0: Okay, let's talk about the parts of the worlds that are the same. I understand some of the steps are the same for how you buy if for your own company and how the government ends up buying something. So let's walk through some of the things that are actually the same in the uh, process.
1: The biggest one is you need to have a requirement. What, what do you actually need? What are you buying? So I'll, I'll use the example of the CRM system again. If the government is looking to buy an equivalent of a CRM system, say SharePoint, they need a, a SharePoint system to manage data. How much data do they have? What does it have to interface with? How many users are going to be on the system? What is the expected cost for it? What is the budget for it? All those things that you and I, when we go out and buy a CRM system to manage our relationships with our customers... We still need to do the same thing. What's your budget? What, do you need SharePoint at one end of the spectrum or do you need a free version of Sugar CRM at the other end? And you need to decide what is that requirement. So that's somewhat, that, that is going to be the same. The level of detail, on one hand, one could argue that the government is going to have a higher level of detail. I would argue that as as a, as a business owner, you want to have a good level of detail what your requirement is, even if you're not a uh, government contracting officer. You need to really understand what you're trying to buy. So I would say that needs to be more the same. And the other part of it is understanding what is your competitive process? Are you going to get, get three bids and just take the lowest one, which would be lowest price technical acceptable? Or are you going to get a... Technical and a past performance volume, and also get price, and then compare the three. And for example, I'm actually in the process of hiring an editor for my book right now, and I went on to Elance and I laid out my requirements. So it's a thirty thousand uh, word book. It's I need to have it done in approximately two weeks. It's about government contracts. It's called Save Your Time. Whether or not the government market is for you, right? So you go through that, and I laid out what I need from them. I need them to edit it. I need them to give me an understanding of the chapters need to be re- reordered, etc. And I gave them as much detail as I could. What I got back, of course, there was a range of prices. Some were three times as high as the other ones, but I also got explanations of how they're going to do it. That would be their technical approach. And then, have they ever done it before? In fact, one of my requirements was you have to have edited business books before. Well, that's past performance. So that process is the same. It exists everywhere in whether you're putting out something on Elance or you're trying to figure out which guy you should hire to remodel your house. The Write your requirement, figure out do you care and how much do you care about past performance? And then how much weight are you going to put the technical approach? Those steps are the same.
0: Sure. So the process of, of getting different quotes and surveying the market is different between the government buying process and your own buying process but you're doing the same thing how, how you go about receiving those quotes how you go about requesting those quotes might be different but you're still you're comparing different offerings uh, that meet your requirements
1: correct and and one of the other I consider to be one of the similarities is that you come up with a competitive range and the difference of course is in the government you have to tell everybody how you're going to determine said competitive range but the reality is that if you start out with 10 companies, you get 10 bids on, on going back to the editor. I have 10 different editors. I think I actually ended up with 24, if you can believe that. And then based on my criteria, I took some at the top off and some at the bottom off. And now I'm in a competitive range of five companies. It's this or five sorry, five people, actually. It's the same idea. It's just that the steps are a little bit different i don 't have to document it as much. I'm not required to write them a dear john letter i'm not required to give them as much specificity in the equivalent of the the section L and m, which are the uh, evaluation criteria that This is the kind of thing that i'm I'm going to take you off of the the list for
0: okay let's talk about how you actually are going to pick which one of those uh, editors that that is is going to work on your book. You wrote an interesting blog pro- post about the 80-20 rule and how it applies to the, the process of uh, government buying and how it's actually flipped between process in, in buying versus relationship in buying between what you would do buying on your own and what you would do buying as a government contracting officer. Tell me about that.
1: So the eighty twenty 20 rule came up with based on as a, as a business owner, Eighty percent of the sales that our company gets as a service provider is based on relationships. People understand what we do. They understand we support small businesses. They understand we're passionate about helping companies navigate the market. Okay, that's how most commercial companies work. You're buying an Apple. I bought my Apple computer based on I get their culture. I understand what they understand the. I understand why they do what they do. I understand how the, the, the style is very clean. And honestly, I know a lot of people who, who, work for, who have worked at Apple understand what, what, the, what the overall end game is, and that's to make a, a great product that does just enough. So
0: you're right? actually operating somewhat on your personal feelings about the product.
1: Exactly. And you use that for when you hire your accountant, that's a relationship. You're trusting them to do your taxes. You're trusting them to keep track of your potentially keep track of your personal finances. That's relationship based. The twenty percent is there's still a process, regardless of how strong the relationship is with an individual service provider, regardless of of how much you like the company. There is a point at which you're not going to pay five times as much for their support. You're not going to tolerate subpar service. In service contracts in particular, we tend to stick with a company longer because of a relationship. Well, we can't do that in the government market. In the government market, that relationship is only 20%, whereas in our commercial providers, it tends to be closer to 80%. I'll flip that on its head for the government market. In the government market, you understand the needs of the, of the government customer. You understand, you've done some targeting, you know that this particular agency the right, has, has the right needs for what you do. Let's say you're a... a an operations and intelligence company, and your, your staffing support specifically helps specific agencies that uh, do operations in Intel, say Special Operations Command, for example. So you understand their culture, you understand what's important to them, you understand the difference between that culture at Special Operations Command and what the VA does. I mean, they're very different goals, right? right. You understand what those program managers are looking for. That's the 20%. However, 80% of whether or not you get work with them is through the process. It's do you understand how to put a proposal together? Do you understand how to respond to a section L and M? Do you understand that if your proposal is late, you're out? It doesn't matter how how good your relationship is.
0: So you mean if I'm a government contracting officer or program manager, I just can't call up my friend who has a company that provides that service and say, hey, Bob, we need you to come do some work for us.
1: Correct. You can call them up. You can probably talk them into you can give them a heads up on the fact that you want them to bid. There are some cases where that actually can happen through a justification and approval process for unique circumstances, but that's a podcast for another day. But in general terms, that is a completely different structure because the process, the 80% process, which goes through the market research. Here's another one. Let's say you understand what what's what they're going the going back to special operations command. You understand what Subcom does, all those great things, but you're a you're a women-owned small business, and they set aside the contract for a group of service-disabled your owned small businesses. It doesn't matter how good your relationship is with that contracting officer. It doesn't matter how good you know their structure you're in an eligible bid. The process kicked you out from the beginning. So if you didn't see that coming, or if you weren't involved in helping to structure that that uh, set aside by helping with the market research process, etc., you're out. And again, let's go back to the commercial market. You walk into this potential customer's office and say, oh, come on, we've been friends for a long time. At least give me a chance to bid. And more often than not, they're going to go, okay. Contracting officer can't do that. If you come in as, a, as either the wrong type of small business or as a large business, and it's a small business set aside, you are legally not able to swing at the ball. You don't even get to step up to, bit, to bat.
0: Yeah, so that's quite a difference from my own buying process where I can literally select any vendor or any company I want to do the job. Correct. So the 80 20 rule as applied to the government buying process tells me that despite the fact that I have relationships with different companies, as if I'm the contracting officer, despite the fact that I know what they've done in the past, despite the fact that they might be providing other agencies fabulous service, When they come in and submit a proposal, if they don't follow all the rules of the process to the T, I can't award with them. Even if they still, if I know they have the best price and the best solution and the best history of doing the job, if their proposal is late, if they haven't covered everything I've asked for in the RFP or RFQ, I still can't award to the contract to
1: them yes and, and, and here's here's a great example of that on um, had a uh, a contract for for some equipment we'll just leave it at that and as a contracting officer and the company who had a much better solution and this is a, a full and open actually it was a small business set aside but it was a it was a uh, best value source selection so we were able to trade off between their technical past performance and price and they had a significantly much better solution technically Fast performance was phenomenal. The customer really liked the user, really liked the the product. We did a a physical evaluation of it and tested everything. They blew everybody else away. But their price was 50% higher. And during the competitive range, I told them, your your price is significantly higher. So understanding the process got them so far, but the reality was I could not justify paying 50% more for a product because it, it was better, but it wasn't twice as good. So in the end, no, the product we got was, was, was good. It wasn't great. But then again, it was, well, two thirds the price. So think about how that plays out as a taxpayer. You're thinking, yeah, I I can't make that leap. So when you wonder about how, how important is the process, it's not about just simple things like, Oh yeah, obviously if you're late, you're late, but understanding the, the nuts and bolts of when you get a letter from a contracting officer that says your price is significantly higher, that's, that's a big red flag. It's not a shave 2% off your your price and keep going. It's a big deal. And those are the kind of things in the process that people need to understand. And that's kind of one of the benefits of this podcast.
0: Okay. You touched upon a couple uh, bigger picture government words there. Best value competition, competitive range. We'll cover those in detail in later podcasts.
1: Yes. I think we'll have a lot of that going around as we, as we build more of these.
0: All right. So w- – Tell me about another difference between the processes. Say, say I've had the same people mowing my lawn for the past five years, and I love what they do. They show up on time. They do a great job. They don't mow it when it's raining outside. Can I just keep giving them a contract year after year, keep renewing their contract?
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way to say it, is everything, every service provider, every product that we have in, in the government side, it's got to be recompeted unless you get official approval through a specific process to not. So for example, I mean, the simple example would be the guy that mows your, or guy or gal (laughs) mows your grass, but your accountant, your, the the guy that comes to my house and sprays for bugs, he's been doing it for 15 years. He comes once a year. I have no idea if I'm paying 10 bucks more to him than I should to somebody else. I haven't looked because I don't have to look because it's just not worth my time. As a contracting officer, you got to look. Every, at least every as little as every year, but often as about every five years. But think about how that plays out for you as the user. You had this great product, going back to my product I was telling you about before. You had this great product, you've been getting it from the same vendor for the last five years, you like it, you've gotten used to it, but guess what? The contract is expiring and we have to recompete it. We have to rewrite the requirement and make adjustments to it depending on things have changed and we have to recompete and you may end up with a completely different vendor with a completely different product that meets that same solution. So think of it in terms of the stuff that you have in your house. Um, my printer. If my printer keeps working, okay, I'm going to keep it, right? But if the service provider who comes out and fixes and, and uh, does the adjustments to my printer to make sure that it, it works at the volume that I need, I got to hire a new guy every five years. It doesn't matter if I'm happy with that guy, I still have to compete it every five years.
0: That sounds incredibly inefficient. <laughs> that sounds like a great topic for another podcast as well the reasons why the government does uh, go about making you recompete every five years or more often than that
1: correct and, uh, and it's a great topic for later I'll, I'll give you one little tidbit that competition is supposed to be inefficient and if you think about it's very efficient to just give it to the same company over and over and over again but if you want to be a government contractor that system doesn't really serve you does it so that, that's a great topic for later
0: and there you have it, the abrupt ending to the 80-20 rule. We really like the content in this episode, and we talk about it all the time in the episodes that we record now. So thank you for joining us, and if you're listening to this during the week that it's first coming out, have a happy holiday weekend. As always, if you have questions, comments, or complaints, send me an email at paul at com.